Hello, and welcome to the final episode of Emo Owls Tune Talks Season 1. I have been struggling a little bit as December has started to continue with the creative um, energy that I had when I started this podcast, so it's taken me a little longer to finish this season and get my last episode recorded. And I've also been struggling to figure out the perfect way to end the first season. I've had so many amazing guests from friends who share the same types of musical interests to friends who are in bands, all kinds of things. And um, I started to realize that I focused a lot on the theme or the topic of the episode or getting to know my guest And while stories of my own musical interests and anecdotes have come in, I haven't really introduced myself properly on the podcast. So for this final episode, I'm flying solo. And that is incredibly weird for me um, to do. I've never um, thought I would do a solo episode, but... um, I think it'll be really cool because uh, I, I'm i going to share, you know, what music means to me, how I got into, you know, the, the bands and the scene that I've, you know, been involved in and some of my favorite memories over the past now 12 years of my life, which um, it's been quite crazy, especially the early years when I was in high school, I went to so many gigs and met a lot of bands and convinced my parents to check me out of school and drive me anywhere from Nashville, which is two and a half hours from Florence, Alabama, all the way to Dallas, Texas and Orlando, Florida and St. Louis, Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, we went to, no, I, I, <laughs> I guess we'll start off with, um, one that I didn't have on my list to share, but since I'm talking about all the different places that I've been. When I was 19, one of my favorite bands was called Her Bright Skies. And I know a lot of you out there will be familiar with Brian Stars, His YouTube channel, his infamous, shitty, awkward, uncomfortable interviews that you know he used to conduct with bands in the scene we're all familiar with his weird blue hoodie and his velcro hair and his weird ass voice um he did this like in-depth behind the scenes look into this swedish band called her bright skies and they were recording their album in the states and that's how i found them on youtube i watched this brian stars thing and you know music videos and at the time was really interested in their music so I got excited when they announced a tour in America but um of course Brian Stars was sponsoring the tour it was the Brian Stars tour so it was already a shit show to begin with um but I went to the Atlanta date of this tour and I believe say we can fly and late night reading were on it um there was two different Brian Stars tours that her bright skies went on within I think the same year or maybe one was one year one was the next year either way it was something like that moving on I went to the Atlanta date And decided when I got back home that I was going to lie to my parents by leaving them a note saying, Hey, um, I'm going to Chicago for the weekend to visit a friend, taking my car. I'll see you later. And instead, I drove to Des Moines, Iowa. Now, the reason for me deciding to go to this specific date of the tour. Well, I was in school. I, was, I think I was 19 or 20. 
so I was in college and it was on a it was on a Saturday so I was able to drive home and not miss class or anything so that's what I did but I had found out that oh this is really going to be a throwback I found out that um Jason who had formerly been an artist versus poet um, which is a big sore spot for me which we can get into later he was helping out one of the other bands on the tour he was um helping like tour manage or drive the 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 van or something like that and at the time I was still young enough and naive enough and I um had since I'd loved artist versus poet as much as I did and then the way the band kind of fell apart I never really got to say goodbye to him and I was like pretty attached to the band and the members of the band and um this was probably the only shot I had to see him again so and then I loved her bright skies as well so I got up at like three in the morning and drove the 12 hours there Luckily, I was able to get a hold of the band's tour manager, and he put me on the list, and when I arrived, I met them for lunch. I met them for lunch, and it was really cool, and um, I was on their guest list, and they performed. That was all great, and I got to see Jason afterwards, which was a very odd, wild thing, but what makes this story crazy other than the fact that I lied to my parents left them a note and drove 12 hours is because I was 19 I could not stay in a hotel in the states now I have checked into a hotel before being 21 but I, I tried to check into a hotel that night and they're like oh you have to be 21 to get a room here we won't let you so I couldn't find anywhere to stay and clearly I'm in a state I've never visited before and I don't know anyone, and I have to get home, so I pull over at, like, one of those big rest stop, travel stop gas stations that has, like, a lot of parking, and I sleep in my car for about four or five hours just until, like, the sun comes up. I use it to rest because I used to be the person who could drive all night overnight, like, back from gigs, um, I used to could pull all-nighters, and as soon as the sun started coming up, you know, like, it was totally fine, but it really wears you out over time. It really, really does, and I I couldn't drive, like, 12 hours. Like, I just, so I pulled over, I napped in my car. When I woke up and the sun was up, I went into the gas station to, like, use the restroom, you know, like, uh, because I, I knew I was going to be in a situation where I'd be gone overnight, I would, you know, and I was using, like, a travel stop bathroom. I tried to, like, wash my face or at least splash water on my face or, like, kind of clean up because I had a long drive ahead of me. And in the bathroom, I somehow dropped or knocked my glasses over and they broke clean in half, like, down the middle of the nose piece. And I don't have prescription sunglasses, I'm not legally able to drive without glasses, and I did not have another pair with me. So, there's few options here. Because I am, because I was like in a, a gas station, what shop, whatever, I did try and buy something. I tried to buy super glue and see if I could put it, my glasses back together. But super glue is not really that super. It doesn't work on a lot of things. I don't know if it's the f- the material of what I'm trying to glue back together, but it didn't work. So, I didn't that that didn't work for me. I sat in my car, I tried, I didn't have tape or anything. I had a pair of oversized sunglasses in my car, but they were not prescription. So, I had two hairbands and a pair of oversized sunglasses. What do I do? I put my glasses, my actual glasses, on the inside of my sunglasses and try to attach the ear pieces of each side of my glasses. I, you know, I use the, the, you know, like the hair bands as like rubber bands to kind of, you know, bind them together and then rest 
my glasses attached to my sunglasses on my face like normal and drive home like that. So I drive home basically wearing two pairs of glasses and I get home and have a raging headache and um, luckily my parents didn't ask too much about where I'd been and what I'd done (laughs) but then my dad had to try and reassemble my glasses and he used Gorilla Glue and One Direction duct tape which that takes us back to a great time in my life when I was simultaneously into hard rock, metal, emo on one hand, and then One Direction. And um, I guess moral of the story is, I don't know, there are definitely crazy, weird things I will do to see bands I like and people that I care about. And then maybe have a better plan for what you're doing afterwards so you don't end up at a rest stop and then breaking glasses in the morning um the cool thing about that was was um after that tour her bright skies never toured america again which was quite quite cool that i got to see them five times over the span of these two tours um if you go back and listen to them now (laughs) you're probably i don't want to you may not be that impressed I was 19. I really, really loved them at the time. I have a tattoo of their symbol. Um, They were actually quite cool. And it was definitely an interesting story having done what I did to see them. And that is not the first story I intended to tell you guys on this episode of the podcast. But that's where we are. So I really just wanted to use this episode to kind of give you some stories about you know why music is important to me and everything like that and give you a a better look into my personality and for the ones of you that haven't known me as long as other listeners and friends um, on here have um, give you an an idea of how impactful music has been on my life Um, music has affected me in a lot of ways it has probably given me the most energy and excitement and allowed me to be more accepting of myself um it has given me the ability to move on and to persevere when shit hits the fan it has given me some of the best friends of my entire life and it has quite literally saved my life um so It kind of all goes back to one very specific gig. I like to say that Boys Like Girls ruined my life. And I mean that in the best way possible. But if it wasn't for this Boys Like Girls gig in 2009, I don't know if I'd ever made it into the scene that I was a part of. So we're going to start there. And I'll just share a few stories with you guys. Um, It's very weird for me to be doing a solo episode. But here we are. So the very first gig, I guess gig like in this whole respect of alternative emo pop punk the very first gig i ever went to was um the op tour 2009 there's a throwback for you boys like girls was headlining with support of cobra starship the main a rocket to the moon and versa emerge what a throwback (laughs) a lot of you will probably remember there were days when a rocket to the moon and the main probably toured together on every tour and they were some of the best years of both of those bands' lives in my life. But um, so this was right after Love Drunk came out, Boys Like Girls' second full-length album. With they also had a song to his better than one with Taylor Swift. Shout out to that since she just released a new album. But um, I had been given the CD for my birthday, and I had just turned sixteen. And, um, I don't remember how I came across the tour listing because while I was on MySpace and I think I had Twitter already at this point, I was not into the scene yet. I was not aware of many of these bands or keeping up with them. And this was at a time when like all these social media were just kicking off. Like I didn't check Twitter every day. I didn't have it. Instagram didn't exist. So somehow I found out about the tour and convinced my dad to check me out of school 
and buy me meet and greet tickets um, to go to the gig. And it was at Rocket Town in Nashville, which if you'll remember from my first episode, I was talking about Rocket Town with my friend Sam because it used to be this super hot spot, cool venue for gigs, but it is Christian and dry, which now that I'm older, the dry thing really got me. And there was a curfew and this was the old Rocket Town and completely we're getting off subject. But um, so my dad checked me out of school and we drove up to the venue and I had never been to a gig like this before. My dad had never dropped me off for a gig before. And um, <laughs> he didn't just drop me off like he parked and I went and got in line and he went inside to try and talk to a manager to make sure I was safe to be there like that by myself. This was the first experience I had of queuing up early. I think I was four hours early, four or five. And I didn't really know the art of it at the time, but I was there early and I had meet and greet, which again, I didn't really know what that entailed, but um, it was really important for me to go to this gig when I did because um at the time that I started getting into boys like girls I had already been a fan of simple plan um songs like welcome to my life untitled perfect I'm just a kid um I had a pretty rough middle school and early high school time. Um, I guess if we're getting real honest, when I was younger, like when I was in middle school and even late elementary school, I wasn't really good at making friends. I mean, I know I'm weird now, but I was like really weird. And I was not really capable of making friends like a normal human being. And um, I wasn't heavily bullied but in middle school I was bullied a little bit and then you kind of I hit that age of like 14 15 and um I started to show signs of depression and anxiety and um throughout my high school and early first year of college or university um for my undergraduate I struggled a lot with depression which manifested into self-harm and an eating disorder and um it had all kicked off like the uh, the year of or you know like before I went to that boys like girls gig and um at the time I didn't know it but going to that gig would kind of find me my own way of saving myself um I went to the gig and I met the band and I experienced what it was like to be in a pit for the first time and to like you know the first time seeing the main and the first time seeing Rocket of the Moon and Cobra Starship and I, I was front row for the first few bands and then you know I joined the like back of the crowd on the floor for Boys Like Girls but they closed with Great Escape as they've always done and they invited people from the audience on stage just like if you you're able to get to the stairs on the side to go on stage so I ended up on stage during this and um, I think I'll try and pull some selfies if I can find a way to get a hold of them but I'm pretty sure I have a selfie with Martin Johnson from that um we'll see I know I at least have the group shot from that but um I don't know, like, I'd never experienced the energy of a crowd like that and the energy of a group of people singing, you know, The Great Escape together or singing Love Drunk together, and I found this whole new world of more of the alternative emo pop punk, whatever you want to call it, bands at the time, and it, like, literally was like opening Pandora's box. What started as Boys Like Girls, um... You know, I became heavily obsessed with The Main and A Rocket to the Moon, and I still love those bands to this day. Um, Cobra Starship is Cobra Starship, but um, what really happened there is, like, after that one taste of seeing that gig, it became my life, especially my, you know, the remaining years of my high school and early college career, 
I was clocking like four gigs a month, even though I had school, high school. I would use every opportunity to check out and even skip. Um, sorry, I was not true when I graduated, but um, I used every opportunity to go to a gig. Um, and I became very reliant on the music of that scene and not just the the music itself and listening to the the albums but it was also about seeing the bands perform live and even at that age it was also kind of about like meeting the bands not in like a I'm obsessed I worship you kind of way but I had there was just so much to be said about like that connection of like getting to meet them and like hug them and like take a photo with them and to say how much you know your art means to you it was even at a early age I didn't realize how much I appreciated it in like a more mature way but like that was the highlight for me was like getting to meet them and luckily a lot of these bands are very approachable and um very you're definitely able to meet them and um I also became very involved in Fearless Records. My, my, I feel like it, my opinion is it was their golden era was like early, mid 2000s, like, you know, 2009 to, I don't remember, I was straight team for them for a while, but like 2010 was a really great year for Fearless Records. Um, in 2011, um, that's where a lot of my early, sessions and bands that I like relied the most on were around that time period um so there's a another story I want to tell you is a fearless records band for it was um this was from 2011 and this is probably one of the weirdest not weird in a bad way, but like if I'm looking back at 2011 when this happened and looking at now, we, we kind of like came full circle almost, or like me and the the like members of this band. So in 2011, the one band I was most obsessed with, the one band that I was probably their biggest fan and biggest supporter of, was called Amelie. They're from Florida. Um, they are were on were on Fearless Records, and I don't even. It's it's so weird. Like I don't even know how to explain it. Like I, they had an album coming out like in 2010, and because I was like really into Fearless Records and on their street team, and liked a lot of other bands that were very similar to them, like. I ended up like pre-ordering their album on iTunes back when I pre-ordered things on iTunes and um they were doing this thing where if you pre-order it someone from the band was like going to give you a call and um one of their members like gave me a call I was like studying for like history or something like when I was 17 16 or 17 called me and I was like doing homework and um I found out like a couple months later that they were doing this gig and um Atlanta at the Masquerade, may that venue rest in peace, they were opening for, I think, Therefore Tomorrow, and this was, um, so this is how I got, got, kind of got introduced to the band, so this was 2010, and we'll get to the real story, but, um, I fell in love with that EP, it had eight songs, um, it was probably my most played album of the year, and, um, I really, like, connected with the words and the lyrics and um, kind of just became very invested in this band. Um, and at that time, I had been struggling some more with self-harm. Um, at that time, um, I'd had, I, had a, I had a few relapses over the years. I did. And so I'd had one at that time. And, um, I had really connected with this, this band and these songs. And so like, after they played that gig, it was like right after Christmas in 2010, 2010. Yeah. Um, we were sitting at their merch table and I told two of their members a little bit about like what I was going through. Um, 
uh, and I don't, I don't know, I mean, this was a small gig, and I spent, like, most of the night hanging out with them and talking to them, like, at the merch table and sitting at the back of the venue, and, like, we just, like, I pulled them aside at one point, just kind of, like, talked to them, um, and kind of tell them what was going on with me, because music was, like, the one thing I connected with was, um, at that time, I didn't have a ton of really good friends that I could go to in these situations if I was really struggling, um, or, you know, really having a bad day or really wanting to harm myself or wanting to throw up or not eat dinner. Um, it was music and these songs and these bands that really kept me going. And so I just kind of like told them and told them how much they meant to me. And, um, yeah, so then the new year came and went and, you know, that because I was as attached to these bands as I was at the time, I worried about, oh, like, when am I going to see you again? Like, I don't want to say goodbye. Like, you know, it was almost like hugging goodbye to a friend who lives far away and you don't know when you're going to see them again, except they're in a band and I'm a fan. Um, And then they announced a regional, more of a regional tour with the Downtown Fiction, which is also an interesting thing because the Downtown Fiction was like my first MySpace band. I was obsessed with them. Surprisingly, I don't have a tattoo for them, but I was obsessed with them, and that's a whole nother story. But um, they announced a gig with the Downtown Fiction, which was probably the most perfect thing in the world because it's, at the time, my two absolute favorite bands touring together, and I have the opportunity to go see them, and the Downtown Fiction has a new album coming out, so it's perfect. But the closest show was in St. Louis which was a six and a half hour drive and the gig was on a weekday so I couldn't feasibly go because I was in high school and I you know to go to class and could only get so many absent days or whatever so (laughs) I because I was as obsessed with these bands as I was I'd watch like tour diaries and interviews and I took a page out of the drummer from the downtown fictions book and I wrote my parents a letter explaining to them why I should be able to go to the show and at first it did not go down well there was some arguing there was some crying and I eventually convinced them which meant that because at this point my parents did not trust me to drive several states away by myself when I'm like 17 and um have school I had my license and I had my car but this was a bit much so which one of them was going to go with me it turned out it was my mom so we drove the six and a half to seven hours away um to St. Louis to see the downtown fiction and Amelie also who else was on that tour Katie Groves and he is we. A lot of throwbacks for you guys. But um, this was nine years ago. So, of course, um, we parked in the venue parking lot probably mid-afternoon. It was hours before the gig as normal. I'm pretty sure we probably checked into the hotel. But um, other than that, and I waited in line like all day. And I had the pre-order meet and greet thing for the downtown fiction so I could get in early and Amelie was the first to play the first one so they played a new song which fun fact this song never got released ever um yeah I I have a copy of it but um long story they they played this song called unstoppable and um there's a part of the chorus that goes i see who you are i see what you can be a lifetime of scars are all disappearing i actually had to look down on my arm (laughs) to remember that properly i have that tattooed um so they played this song and it was i mean it hit home and after they played and i like left front row um, I saw Petey, Petey Pizarro, their lead singer. Um, I went over to him and he like kind of like pulled me aside and he was 
a little bit drunk. If you listen to this, Petey, I'm sorry. I'm really digging up the past, but it's for it's for the sake of the podcast. And he basically told me that um, when they were writing new music in between when I saw them last and that tour, some of the things I had said to them back at the masquerade had really um, inspired them, hit home with them, stuck with them, and long I don't I'm not sounding cocky they wrote that song essentially for me after what I told them um and that part of those lyrics specifically that part was for me um and what was really wild at the time was like I had some pretty fresh self-harm um scars cuts on my arm and he like pointed that out not pointed that out in like a weird way I'm explaining this horribly but he like kind of noticed you know and um that's part of how this song came about was that part of my story and the fact that I still struggled with it um yeah so at the time my favorite band who now Petey and their drummer Nate are two of my really good friends They wrote a song that never got released that was for me. And I have it tattooed over the same place. I had self-harm scars. They're still there. The scars are. Have it tattooed over that part of my arm in Petey's handwriting. Um, Yeah, they... I don't really know what to say more about them. What's cool is last year I got to go to Nate's wedding was my actually my very very last night in the states before I moved to Edinburgh which is why I say we've kind of come full circle or kind of come so far as I went from being their biggest fan at 16 years old to being invited to his wedding Nate their drummer and Petey was there and you know I have really really great memories of that night we kind of came so far and and grew up and I still got to you know we got to be a part of each other's lives and that's what's really really cool um and so then there's another boys like girls story in 2012 that really really hits home um I moved to Texas for my first semester of college mainly because I didn't really get what I wanted, if I'm being honest. I really wanted to go to Belmont and Nashville. And I got in, but I couldn't afford it. And I was too stubborn to want to stay home in Florence, Alabama and go to the university my dad works at. I ended up doing that eventually, but I didn't start there. So I ended up in Texas for my first semester. And within a week or two, it was re- pretty much regretted it. I mean, I did make some friends in my dorm but like it wasn't for me I essentially regretted it almost immediately and I started to struggle heavily again um with issues such as self-harm and eating disorder um it both flared both of them flared up pretty badly and um boys like girls had been on a hiatus for a bit and they kind of got back together that fall and did a tour with all american rejects and the ready set and i went to the gig in dallas um took a actually took a girl from my dorm and we went to this gig and i bought a meet and greet for the band afterwards because at this point i'd met the band every single time that i had seen them and um i had a lot of fresh cuts on on my wrist at the time and i walked up to martin johnson their lead singer after you know after the set when i was in you know meeting them and i was just kind of trying to explain how they have the song called go it's on love drunk it is martin wrote it um about suicide he um has at least had one probably I think he's probably known more than one who have struggled with suicide or have attempted or completed suicide and um 
so the lyrics in that song, you know, about, you know, it's about mental health. It's about, you know, all these kind of struggles. And um, it's an incredible song and they don't always play it a lot live. And, you know, it's one of those really emotional songs and everything I'd been going through at the time, it was really, really special to me. And so I was trying to, trying to explain how much that song meant to me. And, um, he pulled me aside and he took my left arm and over, over that part of my body, he took his Sharpie out and he wrote, this too shall pass. And, um, their tour manager was nice enough to take photos of like that little interaction for me. Um, so I still have those and I, I didn't wash that off I couldn't it meant too much to me I just kind of let the sharpie fade out and um I yeah that was the last time that I ever cut myself I'm not saying I haven't thought about it in the years since but um that moment um really meant a lot to me and you know if I look back over all the years and all the artists that I've met and the music I've listened to and everyone that has impacted me essentially if we you know if I'm really getting very honest like Martin Johnson is my hero like doing that for me was huge and um I'll be you know like forever grateful for him for doing that and um Boys Like Girls is I mean, Emily, the Downtown Fiction, all these bands so far I've mentioned, these are bands that came into my life really early on, and I put all my time and energy and effort into loving the band and listening to the band and going to see them and promoting them and everything, and I've, I'm at this point where currently all I listen to is Louis Tomlinson and Niall Horan. One Direction will never have left me, but, um, there is something incredibly special about those early years of me getting into this more alternative music that I like and um and how much that impacted me and like how I grew up and the future or now current me but at the time the what would be the future Allison um and I don't I don't know there were just high teenage years are sometimes some of the worst years of your life but like I had plenty of issues but I also had I was really really lucky to have like seen the bands and done some of the things that I've done have these memories that I have and I used to collect so much memorabilia and I had so much stuff like when artist versus poet well they never formally broke up but when like their original drummer left their band he was selling their only tour scrim ever like from the first EP the album artwork of it the what used to you know be behind his drum kit on stage he sold it to me and had it on my wall for years and the matching drum head and the only reason I was I was able to do that or the only reason I was able to go to Nate's wedding last year um shout out Nate again is because I not just like was obsessed with their bands but like I cared enough to like get to know them and I don't mean that in like a creepy fan way like I really just cared about them as people and um that you know is I I guess kind of something that's always stuck with me is like no matter what bands I've met over time or what music I've gotten into I've really just care about the the people and getting to know them and getting to know their stories and bonding with them and I think that's something that's never left me um, as I've gotten older, um, I'm rambling on a lot more than I thought. I thought these would be quick stories. So when I moved to Chicago, I, one of the biggest reasons I moved there was for the music scene and it was for, um, pop punk scene. You know, we have real friends, we have knuckle puck, like so many, you know, great bands from that area. Every band I love toured through there. The Academy is was from there. Um, but I'd also been going to gigs like the gigs like this um for a while for many many years and part of me was really burnt out 
like it'd been a while since I had found a band that I like loved like a new band or newer band new to me at least that I had loved and was like wanted to put all my energy into um or a band that kind of made me feel like when I was 16 and I just discovered a new band like that excitement that energy that passion I had kind of felt like I kind of dried up a little bit which is sad to say when I was only 23 and there's so many years left of me loving music but um I kind of was just like hitting a weird patch and then I went to the as it is okay USA tour which we had grayscale sleep on it Rome and as it is play and um I knew every band on that bill which was one of the first times in a long time I liked and actually knew every you know like knew of every band on it and it was my first time seeing grayscale and <laughs> for anyone that knows me more recently if I ever say I love one band I'm talking about grayscale so like I saw grayscale play and this was right before um, adornment came out they were selling it at merch and it came out a few days later or like the next week and um something inside me just like shift like it just shifted I have never beamed so much or been so excited to see a new band play than the way I felt at subterranean in Wicker Park Chicago watching Grayskull play that night and it was like I, they, they like breathed n- like new, fresh, like energy into me about this scene and about this music. And I, <sighs> Adornment was my album of 2017 and 2018. Um, and the only reason it, you know, and then like their Nella Vita came out 2019. So, um, cheers to you, Grayscale. But like I came away that night completely in love with grayscale and um I have I mean grayscale is still my favorite band in that era's respect I mean don't look at my Spotify wrapped and then tell and then be like but your top band was like One Direction like yeah we'll we'll not get into that grayscale means a lot to me I have to be 24 and 25 years old and to feel like I'm 16 again re being like reintroduced like my favorite band for the first time and to have that energy and have that excitement and that carefree spirit like that's how I feel about grayscale they're just they're the nicest boys you'll ever meet let's just start there like they're the nicest weirdest boys you'll ever meet but then they're like adornment was such a banger of an album and watching them perform live gives me life and you know it's been a long time since I actually want to get around and like dance in the crowd and normally just kind of sit in the back enjoy the set but like I don't actually let myself like have fun I guess as I've gotten older and then like grayscale like I'm in the pit I'm in a circle pit I'm going around in circles I'm crowd surfing whatever grayscale is that for me and um what was really really cool about me getting into grayscale is um when I went to when I came to visit the UK in 2018 on just like a backpacking trip I was here during slam dunk and I ended up going with my friend Jacob which we um we got to see basically all the Chicago bands and like a lot of my favorite like um, you know American pop punk bands that year grayscale as it is sleep on it and Rome all played so we had like a recreation of like the okay tour um so I got to see like grayscale they had played in the UK but I think this was their first festival and it was like sleep on its very first time ever playing in the UK um and so like I kind of I got to see my favorite band play overseas and see some of my friends play overseas for like the first time and it's like a really really special experience to see your favorite band from home but you're like thousands of miles away in another country and since then I've gotten to see Grayskull play over here since moving here they did a tour with Real Friends in Belmont last year and I went to the Bristol London 
and Glasgow shows. And so to be able to see them in this capacity playing small, somewhat, I think some of the days were sold out like, you know, in somewhat intimate. The, the London one was pretty big. But like, see them play like these clubs here in the UK to see like the entire room singing the, the words of their new album, like to Nella Vita. It's just like, what the fuck? Like, I, I just like my heart was swelling with pride. And like, you know, when I reunited with Nick, their, you know, bassist and you know, then Nick, their drummer, and just, like, hugged them, and it's like, oh, my God, we're seeing you across the world, like, it's, it's an unreal experience. I think my favorite, my favorite Grayscale story, though, is the second time I was touring Ireland, I was doing a second backpacking tour, this was early of last year, it was, like, around St. Patrick's Day, I decided I wanted to go back to the tattoo shop I went to the first time I was in Ireland in Galway, and get a grayscale tattoo because they have a lot of references to our Irish. Um, they're from Philadelphia, and their some of their logo is like the G in um, a clove four leaf clover. <laughs> and it was St. Patrick's Day, and I was in Ireland, so I went to this tattoo shop I'd been to the year before, and I got myself a grayscale tattoo on St. Patrick's Day in another country, and it is still one of the coolest tattoo stories I think I have, but, um, yeah, it's just, I, they gave me that feeling I had at 16 years old when I saw, like, Boys Like Girls in, like, the downtown fiction for the first time, and, um, it was at a point where I didn't know if I'd ever get that excitement again, um, I feel like I'm just rambling on, and without having anyone else to talk about, or talk to, I mean, rather, I'm plenty to talk about, I just, I feel very awkward just talking to my phone. It's like I'm recording an hour-long voice note. I've made some a list of some of the things I want to talk about, and um, I guess there's a lot of shout-outs I would love to give, but I'm running out of time. <laughs> I will just share one other story. When I was a teenager, um, when I was at that age, I really wanted to work in this part of the music industry I wanted to work with like these types of bands that I was like you know you know the alternative to pop punk like I really wanted to work with bands like this and that is why I declared my major in entertainment industry business when I was 18 and started university and um you know the industry is a it's a tough business it's a hard time and you know, it took me a while to really find my place, but um, I really found my place within the industry or within that scene working with Out of Context in Chicago. So shout out to Nina, Michelle, you know, Caitlin, Melissa, all of you guys. Um, and what was so special about working with Out of Context was that the bands that we worked with not only are now some of my best friends, but they're some of my favorite bands. It's like we worked with some of the coolest, like smaller DIY, like, you know, pop pop punk alternative, whatever you want to call it. Some of the coolest bands that I've ever, you know, seen or met or listened to. And to be working those gigs, to be promoting their music, to, you know, be a part of that is... I felt like I finally made it, found my place. I fulfilled that dream I had of wanting to work in the industry. And I met some of some people who are some of my best friends now. Specifically, I want to give a shout out to Keep Flying. I hope some of you guys listen to this. If you have to skip ahead to this part of the podcast, and that's fine. Um, yeah, we worked with... The first time I worked with them was we had a pre-Riot Fest gig at campus in Logan Square. And I was working the door that night, taking tickets. Well, after we got everything set up and I met the band and everything, I was going to help with doors. And um, because this is the kind of venue it is, I decided I couldn't see well enough. And so while I was still working doors... 
I decided to stand on the stool I was um, sitting on taking tickets and Keep Flying was playing and I was crouching on the stool and somehow it kind of toppled and fell over and I came with it and I came crashing down, had a bruise that turned out to be the size of my hand, like at least the size of a softball and it was like four different colors and this was in the middle of their set and apparently Henry said he saw me but he was too zoned not to even notice it was just a nightmare because everyone around me just saw me like fall off the fucking stool and I was bleeding and I had this really bad bruise that took about four days to color in properly but um yeah that's my first memory of keep flying and um I have a tattoo for them as well because um, they are some of my favorite people in this entire world and some of my best friends. And I'm lucky enough to get to say that I was in a position last year and the year before that to where I not only got to, li- you know, go see, play and listen to, you know, some of my favorite bands, but I got to work with them. Um, and I'm still like, I'm privileged enough to be friends with them. And I think what mu- that's really like what it comes down to that's what all this means to me is like I've created not just memories but I've formed bonds with people and gotten to know people and gotten to travel to different places and you know see things that matter and if it wasn't for music or getting into you know the scene that I did I don't think I would have had those experiences and it's something that I'm missing a lot right now with the pandemic and not being able to see gigs and travel and go to festivals is, you know, I'm reflecting more on all these things that's happened in the past and, you know, the Chicago scene and everything I've done over however many years of my life. And, um, I don't really, I guess, know, have a, have a good way to wrap this up. Just rambled on and told you a bunch of stories and gotten kind of deep for a bit. But um, I'm just really, really lucky that I, well, that I am emo Al and that I've experienced the music things that I have, that I've made the friends that I have, and that if it wasn't for certain songs or certain bands or certain conversations with people of certain bands, I don't exactly know if I'd be the same person I am today. And I mean that in all honesty and all truth, you know, like we can kind of say that half-heartedly or kind of say that in more of a jokey way. But like if you really pinpoint that gig with Boys Like Girls from 2009 or you pinpoint some of the interactions I had with the guys of Emily or, you know, there's there's so many others I didn't mention. Like who knows if I would even be emo Al today? I'm not really sure. But yeah, so with that, I'm going to wrap this episode up. This is the last episode of season one. I'll be taking a little bit of a break and I'll come back in the new year. I hope you all are well and you have a great holiday season. Despite the pandemic, see family if you're safely able to stay at home, listen to music, and I will speak to you guys in the new year. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Emo Al's Tune Talks. I've been your host, Emo Al. If you enjoyed this episode, then please give me a follow on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me over on Twitter at Emo Al Tune Talks and share this with your friends. I look forward to speaking with y'all next week.